Welcome to Talking Property, where you get the inside information into what's going on in the Australian and Asian property markets from leading property and investment experts. Welcome, Justin, to the Australian Property Journal Talking Property Podcast. Thanks, Nelson. Great to be here. Justin, you recently joined MaxCap, so tell us a bit about yourself and um, what led you to this career in property. Yeah, look, I've uh, been within the property industry uh, in banking with the big four for the past 25 years uh, across three banks. Um, I see at the moment there's a a great opportunity for someone like MaxCap, a non-bank who's got a bit of flexibility, nimbleness in the market to really... um, to, to really have a stronghold in the, in the local market, just with the way uh, probably some of the bigger banks have just pulled back on their lending um, parameters. So I saw yeah. this as an opportunity to, uh, to join MaxCap and, and looking forward to, to working with the local developers and investors in the WA market. That's right. And this is where our discussion will concentrate on today, the WA market. There's a, often a lot of discussions about the East Coast market, but um, I'm really grateful to have you here because now we can um, sort of get, you know, shed some light on the WA market. Um, the first one I want to touch upon is the apartment market. Um, what's happening there? Well, probably over the last three to four years, there's been a, a probably a slowdown in, in development of the apartment market. That's for various reasons, but mm. um, mainly just on... Um, affordability uh, of recent times um, that's continued to slow uh, with the uh, building costs which have um, accelerated significantly and has made uh, decisions for developers difficult uh, when we're seeing building costs rise by 30 to 40 percent within the last nine months mm-hmm. generally uh, a builder will put his feasibility together then go out and create uh, pre-sales and what's happened in between that and locking in their building contract. They've seen that rise significantly, which is testing the um, profitability of of the projects. Because of that, there's Mm -hmm. been a number that have stalled or been put on the back burner as as developers have made the decision whether it's still feasible to move forward. And that's, that's created a lack of supply in the apartment market. So we're probably at the moment seeing um, a real lack of supply of apartments into the current market. Um, and with our current residential vacancy rates of sub 1%, like a lot of other places around the country, um, is putting pressure on prices. Mm. So um, currently there is uh, probably, a, you would think there would be a need for more apartments to be to be started to, to ease that pain on the, um, on the supply side. That's right. So in terms of that, you know, you say there's a a supply side, there are challenges in bringing products. But on the demand side, um, we are seeing, you know, from my chats with developers that they are achieving sales um, of uh, apartments. In terms of the areas in Perth or in WA, where are the activities concentrated or where are people buying or wanting to live? Well, I think in recent years, we've seen a, a bigger acceptance of the apartment market within WA. For a long time, um, we've probably lagged the eastern states on that basis. Um, downsizers in some of the western suburbs are now looking to you know, sell their quarter acre block um, and purchase apartments to stay within the precincts. 
So, you know, Subiaco, CBD, Leadable, uh, places like that. Um, we're seeing a lot of downsizers coming into the market, which we probably haven't seen before. Um, interest rates have probably put a bit of pressure on the investor market, but definitely the owner-occupier is now starting to lift where we haven't seen that before. Mm. And I, I note also, uh, I think it was last week, um, the uh, WA government announced, you know, that uh, the government land is going to be slated uh, in terms of land releases that they believe it could, you know, release up to 76,000 housing lots uh, at the end of it. So it looks like there's that sort of work is being done to uh, bring more housing supply into the market. Oh, it's definitely, it's definitely on the minds of everyone. We, we sort of through the mm. COVID period, um, there's a lack of labour in the state, um, which is pretty similar across the nation. Um, and migration's been talked yes. about 40 to 50,000 people. But the problem is with um, with the lack of lack of supply, where are these um, people going to live? So the the state government has put a release out of just up to seventy six thousand lots. Um, could be more. Um, mm. There was an announcement the other one hundred and sixty thousand, I think it was. But you know some of those won't mm. be ready to build on for five years. So we've still got that gap over the next five years where um, we, yes. we we need more stock into the market to. To, to assist with the people coming into the state to to um, assist with those shortages of labour which which the the state has been sort of held to over the uh, COVID period. Yeah, and you touched upon interest rates. Um, of course, you know when we talk about residential property, it's the number one factor perhaps uh, for a lot of home buyers and and investors. Um, since the RBA or the Reserve Bank started raising interest rates, um, obviously quite big hikes we've seen in the recent months. Have we seen a shift in activity um, from buyers in, in WA for, in the apartment market? Uh, I saw on the core logic the other day that the, the first time that we've had a dip and negative uh, negative quarter on our um, on our sales. Mm -hmm. So that shows that it is impacting on the sales side. But I suppose when you look at the the other side of the equation with the lack of lack of supply, then I still think there's some mm. strength in the WA market. Speaking to some valuers recently, they seem to think that there'll be a tick up in prices over the next uh, twelve months, especially in the in the more premium suburbs. So whilst the interest yes. rates are rising, our rents are rising as well, given the lack of supply. So I think there still will be a strength um, to the WA market in the short term. Um, albeit uh, mm. continuing rate rises will dampen a bit people's ability, cost of living as well is going up. So that will dampen people's ability to borrow. But the WA mm. apartment market, I think the uh, medium house price, 561000 So we're probably in a better position than the eastern states where prices have, have really um, accelerated over the last couple of years. Um, our apartment mm. market and a residential market are only hitting 2014 levels currently, which is seems hard to believe. But you know we have had a, a downturn over the last few years on prices, so um, I still think there's affordability in that market, which will which will see some strength in um, product brought to market. And we're hearing from developers that their residual stock levels are low, which means mm. prop, pro properties and product are being taken up as they've been completed. 
Well, this is, I think you make a good point too. And Perth, uh, I, I do believe it has the second most affordable housing in of any capital city. Um, that's so yes. that's got, yeah. And, and, and you still have the, uh, the lowest unemployment rate and highest average weekly wage. So that should, I suppose, provide that sort of comfort or cushion for home buyers um, in that sense. Um, now, I wanted to also, you talked about our construction costs, uh, and that's not a challenge that's unique to our, um, you know, listeners and, and property players. Uh, just in, w, uh, sorry, in, in the East Coast, WA is also seeing that impact. Um, talk us through what's happening there with the construction costs, supply chain, labour shortages. What are those challenges doing for developers? Yeah, it's probably the most forefront problem that our developers have at the moment. Um, Mm. We're seeing, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, people yeah. are looking at their feasibilities nine months ago, um, seeing a good profit in that feasibility. Um, but from the period of commencing that to, say, nine months after when they're looking to finalise their contract, they're seeing a 30 to 40% increase. Talking to uh, developers of recent, that has slowed somewhat. They're hoping that there will be mm-hmm. a, a flattening of those prices. Uh, that's the contract prices, but uh, it's still making them very wary of um, moving into a development at this point, um, particularly if they're already locked in their pre-sales previously. And I suppose that's that's a structure that all financiers um, have looked at historically is that we want a fixed price building contract, uh, whereas the builders at the moment are, are looking at that saying, well, we're taking all the risk and looking at ways mm. to work with developers to have a rise and fall, which then doesn't align with what the financiers want. So um, there forms part of the problem of getting projects off the ground. Um, how we solve that, I'm not sure at the moment, but um, it's definitely a, the major concern of developers at the moment. And we've already seen a number of apartment developments uh, stalled or, or put on the back burner because of building costs and and they're just waiting to see at at what point uh, can they be certain of that uh, that cost going into the development. Mm. It is certainly a um, I think one of those topics that constantly people are talking about across Australia. Um, yeah, what what will happen to construction costs? There are um, experts, some experts saying that, you know, that that will peak at the end of this year, which I think will be a relief for a lot of the developers um, to hear that. Whether that happens or not, we'll see. Um, Now, you also talked about the financiers and obviously your appointment with Max uh, Max Gap appointed you in WA. So we have seen that evolution of non-bank lenders in the market. Um, can you sort of share and give a, a view on what's happening there? Yeah, you know, I think the non-bank lenders are now part of the, the common fab- fabric for financing, particularly into the residential market, uh, apartment market. Mm-hmm. Uh, our ability to probably seek less initial pre-sales compared to uh, where the major banks require that uh, gives the developer some upside in the future sales of the of, of their product which will capture the, um, the increase and increased profitability. So that's, that's one, one area where I see a bit of flexibility providing opportunity for developers to, to get some upside 
rather than having to lock their way or their profits early to get a project out of the ground. Mm. Um, it, it's 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 now considered, you know, that that we are um, part of that that financing and, and an alternative to what the uh, the four majors will present. And we're we're definitely seeing a lot of people gravitate and, and seeking terms from us in the current market because of that flexibility. MaxCap Group is one of Australia's leading commercial real estate financiers. Since inception in 2007, they have originated and managed $14.5 billion across more than 490 investments spanning all real estate sectors and across the full capital stack. And you talk about that, um, the, the developers and, and property companies that are gravitating towards max cap what opportunities are presenting to you are they just solely residential developments or we're looking at um you know offices as well or uh, or, or refurbs or, or, you know uh, previously I, I spoke with a number of your colleagues in other states where um we're witnessing uh more property companies go to non-bank lenders because um because banks don't want to take on that leasing risk uh, for offices. So what are, what are the opportunities there for MaxCap? Yeah, look, I think you're spot on there. That's, a, that's spot on, Nelson. Um, you know, mm. looking at office, which, um, which has maybe a lot of vacancy at the moment, uh, the uh, investor or developers coming in to um, value add, make significant improvement, increase their uh, neighbours ratings, et cetera. Uh, we have the opportunity to come in and, and look at that. And whilst um, it not, might not meet uh, the normal uh, investment parameters of, of a major bank, um, we're able to put together a, a two-year opportunity for them to go ahead and do what they do, lease up the property and, um, and get it right. into an acceptable position to then maybe go to the big banks and, and, and just, just giving a bit more flexibility and, and not require... Uh, as many covenants around uh, pre-leasing, pre et cetera, to allow them to go, get on with the job and, and, and improve. We're currently looking in particular at anything in that office area where they're improving the green ratings, the neighbours. Um, we see yes. that as a good thing. Um, and, and that opportunity is probably pretty live at the moment across a number of, uh, of properties across, across the CBD. I, I think that that sort of applies. We're seeing now across Australia that the, a lot of property companies, private sectors and investors are leading that change to sustainability uh, in, in property, um, you know, which is a great thing. We're doing the right thing for the property in, in the property industry. Yeah, that's correct. And I think, um, I think now, the ESG component across all property going forward is going to be very, very very much sought after um, and so yeah that's mm. that's part of what we're looking to uh, tap into as part of our products well it is quite interesting in that sense too I, I think you know Sydney city of Sydney the the local council there's the first one to now require that all development applications have a minimum um, neighbors or, or green star rating um, uh, you know meet a certain level of sustainability it'll be interesting to see what happens you know whether Perth, Melbourne, and those city CBD, you know, councils um, introduce similar measures um, in the near future for for sustainable developments. Yes, yeah, so I think you're right there, Nelson. I think that 
they, they will come in and the requirements to have um, the neighbours ratings and, and green ratings at, at, uh, at certain levels will be the way forward. You know, just the end of trip facilities that, that all companies now require for their, uh, for their staff, you know, it's, it's, yes. it's just something that they have to have a great offering. Uh, Perth at the moment, I think, has got around about 15% uh, vacancy in the CBD. Um, and so if you haven't mm -hmm. got your end of trip, your neighbours ratings, et cetera, um, I think you're falling behind the other offerings where, where companies want to be seen to be adhering to the, to the green side of, uh, of the property market. Absolutely. Now, the you mentioned earlier about um, developers talk about residual stock. Um, what opportunities are there in the market? Uh, at the moment, MaxCap um, will, will provide opportunities to, to fund against residual stock. Well, my general com conversations mm -hmm. with developers at the moment, because of the shortage, um, there's not a lot of residual stock around at the moment. I think as, as long as the supply... Uh, position of the market stays where it is. I think uh, the, the, the apartments are getting uh, snapped up reasonably quickly. So uh, in the current climate, yes. um, where we sit right now, um, most developers, I think, are able to move their, their product reasonably, reasonably swiftly, um, particularly in the premium suburbs. So, um, you know, that, that's just a, a factor of where we are in this cycle at the moment with a, with a, with a you know, very low vacancy rate. So. Uh, but there is opportunity for for us to look at residual stock facilities um, at any time. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, there are probably not as many opportunities as there was, say, five or six years ago. Now, the I actually was just now thinking in terms of de developers who are bringing or, or, or the parties who are, you know, in, in the market, um, is it mostly local developers or we, uh, have we still got sort of um, partnerships or JVs with uh, overseas um, uh, part, uh, groups in the uh, Perth's development space? Uh, the, the Perth development space is pr pretty much dominated by local uh, residential developers, albeit there is uh, a couple of um, overseas developers that, are, uh, that have projects underway at the moment or looking at projects underway. Um, I suppose during mm -hmm. the last three years with COVID, it has been primarily the local investors or the local developers that have been um, undertaking the projects closer to the market, okay. know the builders, uh, know the sites. But there's definitely currently uh, a number of uh, overseas uh, parties that are looking to uh, dip their toe into the, uh, into the WA apartment project developments. Mm. Now, obviously, you know, we, we've talked about this before, which is the, um, the housing supply and, and vacancy rate is, is extremely tight in Perth. It's under 1% in the metro area. And, um, you know, I think uh, there was a Charter Kramer report that talked about just in general across Australia, there's a chronic shortage of supply of housing supply. And, um, and then we had the Jobs and Skills Summit in Canberra where they talked about increasing uh, lifting their skill migration um, to Australia to bring back a, a workforce. Now we, we talk about all this, but we're facing a, a, a housing supply shortage, and we want to bring in more people. So there's that, you know, disconnect there, which brings me to, uh, I suppose, the long question is: build to rent. There's a lot of discussion, you know, around 
uh, built to rent and what role it can play in filling that gap, um, housing supply gap across Australia. Um, what is happening in the for build to rent in Perth? Uh, it's still very early on in the build to rent. I think we've got one project underway at the moment and speaking to a developer the other day, mm -hmm. they are very keen to, to look at that as well. They're an overseas uh, group. Mm. Uh, it's still very much in its infancy, like I said, um, but the, the fundamentals are starting to stack up where uh, developers are, are now starting to look at uh, the shortage, um, the rising uh, rental uh, that can be achieved on these products. Uh, but mm. still, as a financiers, we are still probably struggling with that takeout at the back end. Um, it's 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 mm. a product that's um, we probably haven't seen, particularly in WA, how it pans out once it's completed, and we move into the uh, the financing for the term debt and and the sustainability of the rental against, but particularly with rising interest rates, probably putting some pressure on on the servicing capacity. So it's being talked about. Um, there's been a lot of people, I think, undertaking significant due diligence, um, but we still haven't seen a lot. But it, it seems to make sense when you look at overseas where there's a lot more of a mature market in this, uh, in this area. Um, and has been done done for a long time. So I believe that at some point we will start to see that into the WA mark. But at this point, it's still very much in the infancy and there's a lot of due diligence going on, but we, we probably haven't quite got there in respect to projects coming out of the ground um, at this point. Yeah, I, I think from the last statistics that um, we looked at, there's about 40 odd thousand, if I recall, um, of uh, uh, built to rent units or properties or housing, um, either in the pipeline or, or in the development stage across Australia. So it is still, I think, uh, in even in Australia or even in the East Coast where we've seen the uh, adoption accelerate, it's still in its infancy, um, the market. But it will be interesting to see how that would um uh, yeah, evolve in the next couple of years, particularly if uh, the federal government comes to the party and, and you know, changes the uh, managed investment trust withholding tax. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Mm. Now, I, I, I suppose now looking at it too, you know, we, we want to talk about bringing in the skilled migration. Um, Perth is facing that labour shortage. How do we address this where... Uh, you know, where, where we can bring stock forward or bring housing starts uh, forward so we can actually accommodate people when they come back to Perth to work and live. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a need, the needed, the, the short labour shortage at the moment when you speak to people across all sectors, all industries, is that everyone is complaining mm. that they just can't get staff, qualified staff, um, specialised staff or just general staff. Um, and And Everyone's talking about, you know, the productivity levels of what they could be achieving currently, um, you know, are just not there because of that lack of staff. Um, you know, yeah. I suppose at the moment that the rising inflation and the cost of building is our, our biggest hurdle um, mm. and probably delays because of that, delays in getting products, projects out of the ground because of the lack of labour. Uh, it's probably a time where as financiers, we 
probably need to start looking at how we can assist um, you know, with these uh, working with the builders and the developers to try to work out a scenario where we can assist with these building costs to, to get them through or give them a level of certainty through their projects. And as I said before, you know, historically we've, we've looked at fixed price contracts and, and I think that has stymied a lot of the projects going forward as, as the prices have escalated and most builders want to take some of their risk out of out of that and pass it on to the developer and it's then really how the financiers may be able to work together between both to to provide some some ability for projects to get out of the ground quicker um, how that's done at the moment nelson mm. i'm not sure but i think largely these escalating build costs are, are, are the biggest hindrance to us pushing uh, projects forward uh, given the, the amount that are probably sitting on hold at the moment as they wait to see where those costs get to. MaxCap Group is one of Australia's leading commercial real estate financiers. Since inception in 2007, they have originated and managed $14.5 billion across more than 490 investments spanning all real estate sectors and across the full capital stack. Um, yeah. No, there's definitely, you may raise a very good point there in terms of financial developers working together to bring stock forward uh, to meet this, uh, the housing, you know, the housing supply challenge that we've got, um, it, it, uh, not just in Perth, but across Australia. So um, now I, I wanted to, I guess, now look at what you see will happen in the year ahead. Um can you sort of share what you what the develop what the developers or what the industry people are telling you in Perth where they see the market going? I know it's a <laughs> it's a hard to predict. It could change by next week. Um, but do, what do you think will happen in twenty twenty three? Yeah, there's a lot of things swirling around at the moment. Even over the weekend, there was a lot of things yeah. swirling externally <laughs> to us. That, um, uh, but if we take them aside, um, I think. Speaking to developers, they, there's the general feel that building costs will start to flatten, which will give them to certainty. Mm -hmm. And there's also um, thoughts that there will be some uplift in uh, the apartment prices, which will give them ability to start moving projects out of the ground. Um, I think mm -hmm. uh, they'll be looking for some flexibility on the way the the financiers work with them in respect to their um, their structures around the building contracts um, to yeah. allow them to work together with the with the builder to move forward. But I, I see, given the the tightness of supply, that any projects that can can be brought out of the ground should sell well, and um, and, and 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 be successful for developers going forward. Another thing that we've we've probably got in WA is that we've probably over the last couple of years we've had a few of the building companies. Um, th there's there's now not as many building companies in that sort of uh, mid range to large development uh, that 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 you would usually uh, see. So the the number of builders that are in the market that doing those mid to large projects has tightened over the last couple of years. So that puts pressure on them as well. So, right. So um, it is really, um, I think the opportunity is there to get, get get a number of projects out of the ground. We just need to be flexible as financiers to work with the developers and the builders to make that happen. 
No, that's a fantastic uh, insight into what's happening in, in the market. Um, thank you very much, Justin, for joining Australian Property Journalists Talking Property Podcast. Thanks for having me, Nelson.